Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm. It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. are back for an all-new episode of Keep It Real. I'm Ira Madison III, and I am quite excited that my co-host this episode is Ray Sani. You know y'all needed her on to talk about reality TV with me. Of course. I mean, what would, what would it be like if you did it? I'd beat you up is what would happen. Also, because we're interviewing Mona Scott Young this week, um, the creator of Love and Hip Hop, and you are the person who really got me into this show and had me, you had me marathoning this. Remember, I was texting you like early During the pandemic. pandemic. Yes. I was I was watching like five episodes of that shit a day. Yes. I, I also cannot believe that you never did Love and Hip Hop before that too. I had like, seen it, it is- before, but like not enough to be like I was watching a full season, you know? Uh- yeah, it was, yeah. it was like, I'm telling you, well, I think, you know, I jumped on Love and Hip Hop because I knew the New York rappers on the New York mm-hmm. version. So I got to like grow up with the show. But your favorite was like Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. It was like Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. I mean, <laughs> the, do you remember how much work I got out of that meme of our Carly, uh, of Jocelyn asking Carly, did you hit it with the Gucci? Yes, I hit it with the Gucci. <laughs> No, there was another meme that you always used all the time. I think it was the one where Mimi's like, ah, get him oh, again. Oh, that. That's get like, him yes. When she's, when they're in the office, um, and Jocelyn, uh, Jocelyn punching starts Stevie. Uh, punching Stevie J, and she's they're like, they're in a counselor's yeah, office. Yes, they're in and, a, like, couples therapy for the three of them. Yes. Um, and she says, um, I'm going to just scoot on over and let you whack him. Get him again. <laughs> get him for me. Ah. So, and you were like the one person in my life who has ever been Team Mimi in that. Because oh. Jocelyn Hernandez, like it was so crazy. Everyone hated Jocelyn Hernandez from the minute she showed up. And I mean, like mm-hmm. over the course of like the 10 years she's probably been on TV. I mean, I can see why. But everyone hated her. And I don't know. I was just like, this woman is the most amazing person I've ever seen on television in my life, barring Tiffany uh, Pollard and Nene, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh, my God. But I love that you loved our heroine, or our supposed-to-be heroine, Mimi, and just well, so the drama. The vibe of it, and like, listen, getting into love and hip-hop, I was like, this is so much fun for me because it's giving 
It was giving me a different flavor for me watching all the Bravo white women. Uh, and of course, Atlanta. <laughs> but it was melding, you know, like a music genre that I love with mm-hmm. people that I didn't know. At this point, um, I knew like, like I knew who Scrappy was, obviously, right. you know, like I knew Young Jock, K. Michelle, like and people who had become famous from the show had proliferated enough into culture where I knew who they were, yeah. like even from just like posts on the shade room before yes. I, before I delete, before also, I blocked shade room on Instagram. Ex-boyfriend. Oh, Safari. <laughs> yes. Safari. Before I blocked shade room on my Instagram, oh, which I encourage people them? to do. I just Girl, I just I'm just tired unfollowed. of them. Well, sometimes I have to unblock because there's news I want to read. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I, I don't want to support. <laughs> no, I don't want to support, but I do to, I like it's, if I open Instagram, it's literally the first, thing that it comes up when I enter a cursor into the (laughs) search bar. So I get it. What was crazy to me, though, about love and hip hop, and I think something that you picked up on, because it's very like soap opera-y in that way, soap opera-y, that's what I meant to say. And um, it is that like all these shows are just series of the same love triangles. It's just like different versions of the same Love triangle, and for some reason, fifteen years on. Oh my God! It might even, it might really be like 10, 11 years on. Like, I, why do I still care that Erica and Scrappy and Bambi have a love triangle? Like, why do I care? Why do I care? Mm-hmm. That was a love triangle the first season. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't know how these stories of threes and women scoring. Like, I just don't understand how it remains so compelling to me the whole time. The formula is exactly the same. Well, what I love about that, especially you asking me about supporting Mimi, our heroine, right? I love Jocelyn, too. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought Jocelyn was hilarious. Every time we would watch an episode at night, like, we'd be cracking up at Jocelyn, cracking up and aghast at how awful Stevie J was, but A also terrorist. supporting Mimi, too. Uh, it was giving that, you know, classic soap opera where all three of them were, on a soap opera sometimes, the writing can be bad where the the it's lopsided in the triangle, right? Like mm-hmm. either the vixen, the schemer is so interesting and you hate the heroine. Or, yeah, which is or what you it was like, for me, Jocelyn. Yes. Yeah, or you like the heroine so much and maybe you just hate this schemer or you just think the man is dumb and mm-hmm. you're tired of him in the story, right? But all three of them were just such fully realized people that I could support all of them, Stevie to an extent. But maybe yes, he once he got into season two, watch. once he got into season two, I couldn't do it anymore. No, no, no. The, the rat face, the rat face he would make when he was up to trouble, <laughs> it was too much. But what was what was also so crazy is a thing that's underrated for aside from and I completely like forget this sometimes. Cardi B got her biggest like push mm-hmm. before her first album came out from joining Love and Hip Hop New York. And mm-hmm. it was like during those seasons where the infamous Peter Guns, who now hosts Cheaters, <laughs> <laughs> was having a crazy love triangle where he married the side chick but was mm-hmm. in love with the baby mama. It was it was art. And Cardi B, like she has been telling us to since ever since she was, she's like, don't have these niggas out here looking stupid. Look at you embarrassing these two beautiful women. <laughs> so you got them looking stupid. <laughs> but it was, uh, and you know, that, that very popular meme. What was the reason? That's yes. also Cardi on Love and Hip Hop New York. And of course, the one she made the song from, um, with, if a uh, bitch if beef have, with me, we gonna have beef. 
Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> but I love but I love how she sounds like such a Dominican chick. It has never changed. Cause I I can hear that gif in my head. Like, if a bitch beef with me, she beef with me forever. Like, I, I, there's so many classic lines from that show. And I know that for us, like we're as two black people who love reality TV, like it is pretty, it's like a part of our, like, you know, it's a part of like our speech. Like there's so many things that have been like well incorporated into like our pop cultural memory and just our mannerisms and slang and everything from shows like this. I mean, she loving the crew? She loving the crew. Danger! She smashed the homies. When did yeah. I start saying smash? When did I start saying smash? But I, 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 I would love for your audience to, in not a creepy way, don't go studying black folk on reality TV, man. But like, there is something really, really beautiful that you're missing if all you have is Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but you don't get to like to enjoy the pleasure that Jocelyn Hernandez brings to television. One thing I love is uh, I know if you know um Joe Gunn on Twitter, he always is tweeting out memes and stuff. Um he yeah. was tweeting out Housewives memes all the time, but then around the pandemic when I was watching Love and Hip Hop, he started watching Love and Hip Hop too and would tweet out memes of them and so that's how I was getting a lot of my memes and he he is he has like such a brain for um not even just a thing that's a meme that everyone's tweeting for a reaction gif where like someone says something weird or like says some mm-hmm. a, a word <laughs> like something you know um the worst the one I think were is it Deborah or whoever I've used this clip before of the um absolutely not <laughs> 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 yeah. Um so it's it's that. It's 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 there's just a fun way that everyone speaks with each other and yeah. the language and you know it's it's more fun. I mean I've always enjoyed the black reality shows more oh, yeah, just yeah. because we have they're they're more I mean, entertaining. The only, right. The only girls who could keep up on Bravo really were always New York, the mm-hmm. early edition of New York, and then early Miami. Yes, because but New York, it was like it was always a show where it was hilarious, even if nothing was happening in the episode. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I will say, though, with Beverly Hills, there was some keep up because there was always like a like they are extremely memeable. Those women, especially that first like four, three seasons. There's just Mm. something I've got a gift from everybody for everyone, you know, and I Lisa Vanderpump was a when she incredible. first started out, she was incredible. She was a trip. She was giving me everything, you know. I and mean, if you if you go back and watch, she's the asshole, right? Which I didn't mm-hmm. know at the time. I just was in love with it because it is <laughs> fucked up to call your French shoe the Maluf hoof, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> yes, did I enjoy it? And that's the kind of like quick shade, you know that that usually comes up in a in a confessional on like. A black show. You know, there's just the way that we talk to each other is different. And I just think that our way of telling stories is just like incredible. I don't know what it is, but like every one of like every person that I know has put the most incredible dialogue or something together has been an off the cuff read in a fight on a VH1 show. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, my brain could never forever sit down and write these things that these amazing people say. And I just wish 
more people had access to these like genius minds because I mean I think it's so underrated. My writing, I feel like when when I write even like dialogue and stuff for like original stuff of my own, I feel like one exercise that is always helpful for me. And if you are a person who watches reality TV, maybe this is helpful for you too. Um, you have like a regular scene, like maybe some characters are having an argument or they're interacting. You write your regular dialogue. But then go back over that scene and step into, like, this character just said something. Like, what would this person maybe respond if it were a confessional or if there were, like, some cameras around? (laughs) Then maybe they'll be a little bit funnier, you know? Yes. No, I totally, like, I totally agree with you. Like, I'm just, well, now I'm going to write my magnum opus. And it's just going to be me picturing, like, (laughs) Jocelyn Hernandez in in some, like, beautiful, tragic, like, lost story or something like that. And I think she would give she would give good, you know? I mean, she's turned into a pimp over on the Zeus network. I don't know what's <laughs> happening over there. But it's she's like more, she became likable again. Yes, I mean just well, by, no. by by well by berating berating these bitches and like threatening to hit them. Okay, she's become people she on the internet the, like them. Is she is she berating the right people now because she was no. berating the wrong people the she's first a bully. season and I was like oh no but but we made her that way and it's kind of also fascinating to see like what we have contributed to like who these people become because Jocelyn Hernandez was always unapologetic but it's a different kind of apolog- unapologetic when the money and the popularity back up your delusion and you know like I'm 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 part of why she's terrible now holy shit I'm part of why so many people are um terrorists but i mean stevie j should have been like we should why did we keep watching <laughs> why did we keep watching stevie j he's There are things that Stevie J, like, I have never seen that kind of gaslighting in my life before. And never did I know that gaslighting was entertaining. (laughs) God forgive me. But it was, it was crazy those years, you know. I know you try and call Ralph a gaslighter on Real Housewives of Atlanta. That is not gaslighting. That is is an electric stove, okay? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, nothing compared to the likes of Stevie J. Even Peter Guns, like, Ray J. Oh, my God. Ray J on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. I've never seen such a thing. And I can't believe that he's still with Princess off and on these days. You you think Kim and Croy keep filing and unfiling and filing and unfiling? Ray J and Princess have been married and divorced more than I've like been a person. You like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So this episode, we have got Mona Scott Young coming up. We have a fun conversation with her. She's a CEO, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of mess, but it's a good interview. <laughs> um, and when we're back, Ray and I chat with Mona Scott Young. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... That was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. 
And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire... Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. There's no other word I can think of that describes our guest today besides visionary. She's a CEO, producer, manager, best known as the mastermind behind Love & Hip Hop. And now she's back with a new movie for us, Love & Murder, Atlanta Playboy. I'm honored to say, welcome to Keep It, Mona Scott Young. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello. That was a great introduction, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, uh, I mean, you deserve it. So oh, thank you so much for everything that you've created. And also, I can thank Ray here, who I'm so excited is with me for this interview, because I can credit her for being the person who got me to fully deep dive into all of love and hip hop. I had seen it like years before, but she was like, she kept hounding me about like, no, you can't just watch the memes. You can't just have these clips. Like mm-hmm. there's more going on. So like yes. I got all into it. Every, everyone during 
um, the pandemic. Oh, wow. Well, uh, thank you, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was thinking this the other day. I think you have been through your work, like part of my entire life, be it you're managing artists, you know, Mm -hmm. managing also other visionaries. I mean, Missy Elliott, my goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, with my adult self, my older self, I got super invested in all of the love and hip hops, New York, Atlanta, Hollywood. I thought I didn't even know I cared this much about Ray J. It was crazy. And, <laughs> like I'm I'm so astonished at your ability to have such a hand in so much of my pop cultural memory i'm really that's amazing when you look yeah when you look back at it that way right sometimes every once in a while we're supposed to kind of stop and take stock and you know give ourselves a little pat on the back every once in a while but when i think about my life it has been you know this amazing journey through pop culture like you said right those moments in music early on even now you know in this the 50th year of hip-hop all of the celebrations and reconnecting with all of those folks and thinking back on those moments a long time, you know, being in a room when a certain song was created, being part of, you know, bringing a collaboration together, right? When I saw Busta go back on stage with Janet, I remember that moment of him going, I want to do a song with Janet Jackson. And I'm like, oh, and that's the song. That is the song. That is the song. And then, you know, going or LL talking about, you know, wanting to do Hey Lover and boys Mm -hmm. hearing boys. And Mm. that's how far back it goes. And being part of connecting those dots. Yeah, it's it's been an amazingly blessed journey. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to be a part of those moments. And also Mm -hmm. just, you know, wanted to express like my real, real, um, hype about the fact that you were an executive in a super male dominated space. I mean, hip hop mm-hmm. is not easy for anybody, let alone a woman, let alone a woman in the mid nineties, early two thousands. So what was yeah. that like for you? When How did you was, navigate it was that? O's, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's all we were in, you know, it's, it's, you know, something that I try to, talk about, you know, without sounding dismissive of it, because I have a tendency to put these blinders on, right? Because it's like, if I stop and I think about all of the barriers and all of the hurdles and all of the ceilings, then it's just, you know, it's going to be paralysis by analysis, right? I'm going to freeze in my own track. So one of the things that I subscribe to, and I always say it to the talent, you know, that I'm working with is you've got to put those blinders on. You've got to stay focused on what's in front of you. you got to, you know, navigate that and accomplish that to the best of your ability because that's all you're capable of, right? I could have, would have, wish I could handle things or be somebody else, but I'm not. This is who I am. These are the skills that I have at my disposal. I've got to apply myself, stay focused. And then every once in a while you look up and it's like, oh, crap. So, yeah, when I think about what hip hop was like back then. And just in terms of the lack of women that were really doing it in a way that, you know, blazed the inroads for me. And now I look to where we are today and how many female executives and how many high, you know, powered females doing big things, never mind the artists that are dominating right now. That's just Mm -hmm. the sign of progress, right? And in order to make progress, we have to plow through. And so Mm -hmm. for me, you know, I think of myself as one of those those plowers throughers, 
<laughs> Thank you for plowing. <laughs> when I think about the, you know, the creation of Love & Hip Hop, I want to ask you, I guess, a bit about when you were working in the industry before creating this show, what was your view of the representation of hip hop on TV, whether that be shows, whether that be just music like BET or, you know, wherever else. Um, what did you see was on TV that you were like, we should be doing something differently? I mean, it's it was more about what was not on TV, right? You heard the music, it was selling everything. You, you know, maybe had some artists here and there, but you didn't have that world and you didn't have the side of the world, which were the women, you know, and you didn't have the inner workings of the world kind of being showcased on a show. And so that was, you know, the, the real motivation and the opportunity that was there to pull the curtain back on a world that I had navigated and been part of, you know? But we got to fast forward because we got to talk about love and murder. We're going to go from love, yes. and love and murder. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the impetus behind, you know, creating Love and Murder, um, this film, Atlanta Playboy? Uh, what, was, what, what was the spark that mm. created this for you? Well, one, moving into scripted, right? Wanting to find our way into scripted projects. We've done a movie, B-Boy Blues, that is up on BET Plus as well. And um, wanting to do more. And the passion thriller space we know is popular. Everybody wants to, you know, stories of like love gone wrong. Um, and the the whole banner was created in the hopes of being able to do more movies in that vein, right? To create a series of movies that are all in this space. And um, hopefully we find more stories that are ripped from the headlines, but if not, creating stories that we can tell that kind of check those boxes. But this story in particular, Lance Herndon's, it just was one of those, you know, unbelievable, holy crap, look at this guy. He was a local, you know, celebrity in his own right. He'd, you know, done all this stuff in business and the tech space. He was that it guy, you know, moving around town, the fancy parties. And then he died a horrific death. And there were so many people that could have been in that lineup because he had pissed so many people off, stepped on so many toes in business, you know, scorned and angered a bunch of very, you know, um, uh, strong-willed women. So... The, the list of who could have done it was tremendous. And this was one of those stories that just checked all the boxes. So, Do you find yourself trying to sort of now want to enter this space? You've dominated basically reality TV. I mean, you have your own like mini Marvel universe. You know? And now it's like, it's like, okay, let's enter scripted. What mm -hmm. uh, did you see was the need? I mean, you know, now I'm thinking about how in the 90s and the early 2000s, we got mid uh, mid budget rom-coms or black thrillers or just mm -hmm. people who were black famous to us that we could always see on screen. And I can admit that I haven't seen that in the same way um, right. pretty recently. Mm -hmm. Is that something on your mind? Is that a direction you're trying to go in? That's what funny we... that you said that, because if you look at the way we populated Love and Murder, right, you'll see some of the cast members in there peppered in with like a Tay Diggs, a Keisha Sharp, you know, actors who have been doing it for some time. And I always thought there was an opportunity 
to, you know, leverage and, and provide a scripted platform for the talent, you know, from the franchise and from other unscripted programs. Because I think that, you know, as people, we are incredible. Our ability to do whatever it is we set our mind to. So when you look at, you know, Carly Red, her acting career, I think April does a tremendous job. I think we've seen, you know, Yandy take her turn as an actress. Um, so, yeah, I love the idea of taking the cast and finding different projects so they become like this ensemble, you know, troupe that you'll see populating different projects. Um, so, yeah, that's an idea that I've toyed with. I also felt like the passion thriller space is a great one. Like I said, it appeals to the female audience that tunes into unscripted docuseries television. You know, we all love, love a good, you know murder mixed with love and passion and, you know, mystery. So right. <laughs> of true crime and love is like, true the crime and love. <laughs> I, I call it love gone wrong. Love gone, love horrible. gone wrong. Yes. <laughs> um, what I what I've always loved too, even when you were in the reality space was that uh, love and hip hop was always so cinematic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it always was giving, uh, even if you were um, having someone have a voiceover or having like a scene um, with their partner, you really were sort of focusing on like, well, let's get this scene of, you know, like um, Mimi, like in the bathroom, you know, like yeah. you know, putting on her makeup and like stuff like that. So it feels like you're watching, you know, yeah, a cinematic story. It was all very mm-hmm. intentional. Yeah, like putting it against this beautiful backdrop. It was like taking real life and art directing it, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff and and making everything look beautiful and, you know, overly kind of colorized and saturated so that it, yeah, played out would, larger than life. Would you say that then... Um, Working on something like that, particularly for people like a Carly Red, you know, where it's um different than like if they'd done some other kind of reality show, mm-hmm. like it may have helped and prepared them for stepping mm-hmm. into um this scripted space um or prepared them. Have you seen like some of the people you've worked with and been like they sort of have the skills that I think that would be good if they were reading to transition into acting. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. It might be a little bit of the chicken and the egg, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. part of the casting process is looking for those personalities that can deliver on their emotions and articulate them in a way that the audience can understand whatever it is they're going through. And I guess maybe, you know, there is a correlation there. If you look at, you know, Ray J was acting prior to, I believe Carly Mm -hmm. was as well, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. You look at, you know, a Cardi B and everything that she was doing on social before she even got onto Love and Hip Hop. I'm sure that there's, you know, uh, a long and successful acting career in front of somebody like her. So it's that like... You're you're casting people whose real lives have elements that we want to watch, but who have the ability, personality, charisma, dynamicism to deliver it in a way that's compelling for an audience. Mm -hmm. It feels like, I don't know, you have an eye for like black soap opera. I have never met in my life people who have given as much story or had as much story as some of the people that you've had on your shows. And I'm imagining that translates well into the scripted space as well, where you're, you know, you're you're loving the dramatics in, in a way that 
is thrilling. It's thrilling. I don't know why these people had me up thinking and arguing and fighting with my friends about certain things. I I think it's because you understand, you relate, you have, you know, emotions are, um, are, are elicited, right. Are triggered from the things that you're watching. And that's what I think, you know, storytelling is at its core, the ability to take a situation, to put it to words and actions, to convey it in a medium that will elicit emotion, right? Music does that and um, careers do that. We get emotional about people's careers because if you look at a Beyonce, it's not just about her body of work, right? We feel like we were there when she was, you know, a survivor and wanting to make it and to see her ascent and to watch her get married and to have her children. You become invested and connected to the story of her life. So, it's that storytelling ability and then to find a way to make it compelling to watch. And it's what you refer to, Ira, with, you know, setting it against the backdrops and within, you know, the constructs that make people go, oh, yes, she's talking about cooking dinner, but it looks amazing. And I'm riveted by this, you know, recipe. Um, those are all the same skill sets you take into scripted, right? And more so because now you have, you know, where before the storytelling was confined to real life stories. These were the things that were going on in their lives. Now the storytelling capability, the landscape is endless. Now we can imagine the unimaginable, set the stories on space. Do you know what I'm saying? Like now the, the, Boundaries have been lifted. So, what would you say were some of your early storytelling inspirations and sparks that got you? You know, what were you watching? What were you, um, you know, sort of listening to, consuming? That was like, this is something that I really want to do. Um, you know, it's been an evolution for me. I don't know that I set out to go. Oh, I want to be a television producer, right? It started out with me understanding, I guess if I had to think back on my earliest days of uh, articulating a story, it would be me navigating the world, you know, figuring out who I was, how I wanted to present to the world what I wanted to do with myself in my life. And in looking at that story, right, I realized, like, this was a tale of somebody who... um, had a an ability to articulate and to create, right? And then how do I apply that? I kind of stumbled into it with music mm. artists and utilized it there. And then I intentionally moved into it with television. And then I chose to seek it with scripted, you know? So the earliest days of storytelling were probably writing and shaping and trying to tell my story, which is still being written, you know? Of course, you know, rest is still unwritten, as they say. Um, but what are you, um, you make so much t- television, and, you know, you produce so much music for people, and I think, um, what, what, do, what do you sort of, like, um, take in on your downtime, you know? Like, what, what, what does Mona listen to to sort of, like, um, either inspire you or to just chill out when you're not thinking of work that you were producing? Listen, it's it's hard to say this so people and have them understand it, but I love procedurals, right? Like I go down the rabbit hole of, you know, anything from law and order to criminal minds, right? And mm-hmm. then I also love good 
mindless comedies. Not mindless in the sense that they're not well written, but just you know, shows that I can lose myself in. And a lot of them are the reruns, actually. I do a lot mm-hmm. of like The Office or Modern Family or, you know, I just shows that just make me laugh where I can lose myself. Mm-hmm. That is such an interesting dichotomy comedy, like, and then procedurals, right? Because it's sort of speaks to what I probably think of you, which is that you're good at finding solutions, right? There's an order. Here's how I can execute. Here's an hour procedural. Olivia Benson will save the day. It'll happen. And then at the same time, you know, the silliness, the like joyfulness, the Mm -hmm. like over the topness that you can find in farces and comedies, that makes ultimate sense in my brain. That was a good analysis, Ray. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I've never thought about it that way, but listening to you say it, yeah, it pretty much represents the duality of who I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, we I mean, appreciate it. I think that there's always just some reason, there's always something online where people say, you know, there's that joke that uh, Olivia Benson's the one white woman that, you know, like black people trust, you know, they they trust right. that woman. And I think it's- that's right. Right. There's something like think about, you know, being um, watching a television show when your life may be sort of like there aren't solutions in your mm-hmm. life or the real world. And every week or, you know, if it's the USA Network for yeah. eight, eight hours a day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can watch Olivia. You can watch, mm-hmm. you know, Stabler. You can watch them solve something. And then it feels feel like, you know, like something has happened. you feel a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment through watching Mm -hmm. this thing get completed. Absolutely. And I think to some extent, you know, it's the same thing that you get with escapism in the um, unscripted space. You know, Mm -hmm. I just want to lose myself in this person's life and watch them try to figure out their problems. I'm going to set mine to the side (sighs) for two minutes and see Uh how they come out of theirs. Well, that reminds me of truly, and and I'm sorry for, you know, blowing you up with this, Ray, but it reminds me of one of Ray's, uh, she's a stand-up comedian, and one of my favorite jokes of hers ever is talking about how, you know, people say like, oh, like, you know, you you watch so much reality TV, you know, like you support, you know, like black women, you know, like mm-hmm. being, you know, acting this way. Oh. And you're like, you're like, no, these black women act like this. Not me, you know? And so there's that joy in watching people act a fool on TV and knowing, like, that's not me. When I have a... There's some catharsis in when someone's having a fight. You know, they'll be like, did you hit her with the Gucci? Yeah, I hit her with the Gucci. (laughs) You know? Like, you can't... You're not doing that, but you get the catharsis. Yeah, you're living vicariously through the fact that... I don't know that I could have done that, but damn, I'm glad you just, you know... I mean, if, if I'm watching early love and hip hop New York, I'm the Yandy. I'm the nerd who's like around all these cool people. I'm in. I'm trying to do the business or whatever. I might have said something too slick, and now the girlfriend want to whoop me. And it's like Yandy got Yandy got to dance in old girl's face. I would never get that. I would run away. And so it's like it's nice to see people braver than I am. I'll say that's what it is. That is uh, hysterical. Yeah, and yeah, also, I mean, 
I mean, I would definitely be more like, I loved Carly Red so much in the early, you know, love of hip-hop. It felt like always the constantly failing in love, you know, and like the mm-hmm. reacting angrily, like especially like, I mean, that Gucci moment is truly one that I send my friends all the time because it is just, <laughs> is it is so happen. funny watching it happen. It's like, that's who you want to be. A question and what about- what I love about her is she's fearless about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She falls, scrapes her knee, picks herself up and keeps <laughs> it moving. And that's something we can all be more of in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. She she does not she does not hold on to shame. I'm really, really like impressed by it. And I don't mean that as shade. I heard it come out my mouth backwards. But I mean she like I've never seen someone with as much stick to itiveness as Carly yes. has. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Totally admire that. I mean about all of these women, right? They go through yeah. it, they come out of it, and they keep it moving. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. A question, you know, as someone who has um, crafted um, music and stuff so early in your career and then working mm-hmm. on this show, obviously, you know, you have a lot of talent coming onto this show with their own careers. Um, were there ever points where people were specifically like asking for advice or were you sort of like, you know, you're on the show making your own music and like, I need to step back because, you know, like I want it to unfold naturally on TV? I mean, uh, no, absolutely that, right? Nothing mm-hmm. that would impact the course, but totally when they needed advice or had questions or needed an introduction, you know, totally was there for that at all times because it was about helping them get to whatever it is they were trying to do with their careers. So absolutely. And and actually, you know, I thought where you were going with that was you were going to ask, was I kind of invested in that? But that's something I've always felt like if this platform can help them get their careers on track or off the ground, then by all means, you know, go forth and prosper. That was the goal of creating this to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so then when you go from working with people who perhaps even if they have all this gumption, they don't necessarily have the same um, access or industry clout. And mm-hmm. then you go to something as incredible as getting to work with Tay Diggs and Keisha Sharp. Mm-hmm. What is the what is the arc there? How does your position on a set or in a room change when you're working with people who maybe aren't as like confused or maybe not necessarily holding on to the kind of tangible success that you would say in a day? It really doesn't. Because remember, I came into this as a manager, right? So I see potential in Mm. everyone. That was kind of always um, part of my skill set as a manager. Being able to say, okay, I see how this can be built or, you know, developed into something, you know, much larger. And um, so in music, I started out with Missy 27 years ago, with Busta, you know, 30 years ago. So I've watched artists go from just talent to mega superstars, Right. So coming into Love and Hip Hop, uh, some of the talent I had already encountered, like, you know, Scrappy was, you know, with the management company that I uh, co-founded. I knew some of the talent, even on other networks. Candy was represented, you know, by us at Violator at one point. Um, And so I always saw the potential in all of the folks that we were working with. 
And we've seen some people like Kay Michelle came in. She was as talented mm. as she had ever been. But I think we saw her career get a major boost by virtue of having that exposure. So there's never a, oh, you're smaller talent, you're bigger talent, because I've been around so much oh. talent. And for me, ta- mm-hmm. the talent is what levels the playing field. The success mm-hmm. comes because of the factors that that talent is exposed to, right? The opportunities, the platform, the skill set of the people around them, the expertise. But there are so many talented people that just don't have access to all of those things to fully realize their talent. So for me, it's a level playing field, whether you're Tay Diggs, Ray J, Missy Elliott, K. Michelle, they're all super talented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess lastly, I want to ask, you know, if you worked on um, so many people's careers, you know, early on from, like you said, Missy, Busta, you know, there's like Ja Rule, Nas as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have... Do you have just like a favorite record or song that you remember being in the room for that you're like, mm-hmm. I love listening to that song to this day and like remembering oh, that moment? There are so many. I was at this event the other day and somebody played Soul For Real Candy Rain. And I was mm. like, oh my God, I remember being in the studio for that. If you look mm. on that, you know, I'm one of the EPs on that project. So they, it's it's too many to mention, right? Being in the mm-hmm. room where Missy was like, what do you think of these records? And Get Your Freak On being one of the records that she played. Uh. And going like, oh God, there's something, there's something about this, you know. So it's it's too many to mention, too many uh-huh. to mention. Like I said before, LL, Hey Lover, um, Fantasia, you know, when I hear Free Yourself, and that's a collaboration with Missy while I was, you know, working with Fantasia. So it's, it's yeah, it's endless. And again, just blessed and grateful to have been a part of that moment those moments in music history well thank you so much for being here mona thank you thank you and don't forget we're going up tomorrow part two of love and murder yes 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 we're excited to get into that drive that that tune in yes Thank you to Ray Saudi for being here with me. Thank you to Mona Scott Young for being here. And you can catch Love and Murder Atlanta Playboy on BET Plus. Now, I don't even, what was the story about again, Ray? I'm pretty sure it was a true story about an Atlanta businessman in maybe the early 90s, late, late 80s that was sleeping around and one of his shorties probably murked him. Well, you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> If you are rich and you leave the person you are with, you should probably expect to be killed. Okay, fair enough. Unless they, I mean, unless they get a settlement. Unless they get a big-ass settlement, you know? Fair enough. But you'll be right. surprised by who actually is the one who does it. Oh, okay. All right. Twist. <laughs> Come on, Mona. Come on, Story. <laughs> Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski, and to Matt DeGroot and David Tolles for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is recorded in front of a live studio audience.
I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.